Today on Growing Grace from Pastor Ed Ray. You and I need to make up our mind to do the right thing here and now today at this small mind. God, by your grace, I'll do what you want me to do. Because unless you've already settled it, Satan will bring the temptation. If you can be bought at any price, you will be bought. Satan will find a price. He'll find a way to get to you. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place God will dwell with man. Sick be healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son. Selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said let this world know me by your love. It's time once again for Growing Grace. And we're so glad you could make it. Our teacher, Pastor Ed Ray, has been leading us through the Gospel of Luke. And we're nearing the end of our journey with only two chapters remaining. You know, we make choices every day from what to wear to what to eat. Sometimes big ones like whether to accept a job or a proposal. We'll be looking at a number of people faced with an important decision of their own. It's the same choice we have to make. What will we do with Jesus? Again, we're in Luke chapter 23 on Growing Grace. Back to Pilate, Hiberia was the area that Pilate came from, and it stuck there. He's called Hiberian, Pontius Pilate, and that is northern England, actually northern Ireland and Scotland today. So Pilate wasn't Roman at all. It turns out that he's a, uh, an Englishman or a Scotsman, to be more direct. So here we have a man from Western Europe, if you will, and he came to Rome, met the granddaughter of, uh, of the emperor, married her, and got this position. But he's a guy that's blown it in a couple other places, and he's in trouble. So they begin to bring the charges because they need him to find some charges so that he can kill Jesus, so he can order his death because only the Romans had the power. And it couldn't be for religious reasons. It had to be for some political reason. So they begin to stack the deck. Verse 2, we found this fellow perverting the nation, forbidding them to pay taxes to Caesar. <laughs> That's how you get a politician's attention. No taxes? Wait a minute, he must be a horrible person. Saying that he himself is king. He's the Messiah. Well, the first two are out like outright lies, perverting the nation and saying don't pay taxes. We have the words of Jesus saying, go render to Caesar the things that are Caesar. But the third one, he really couldn't argue with that. He says he's a king. Oh, he's a king. <laughs> he's the king of kings. He is the Messiah. And he will rule and reign over all these people here who think they're judging him. So Pilate asks him, are you the king of the Jews? Now, the force in the original language is you, the king of the Jews? Interesting. Jesus didn't look to be significant. In fact, Isaiah said that there wasn't any beauty in him that he would be comely, that he would be attractive to us. He would have just looked like a normal, everyday Jew in that day. Pilate says, you? You're the guy causing all this trouble? Come here a little closer. Let's talk. And they have this discussion. Pilate is not impressed with his look, but he asks Jesus the question. So Jesus answers him, why? 
Because he's trying to get to Pilate. Pilate has a choice to make. Pilate has a decision. It is as you say. I love it. You said it. <laughs> That's pretty short and to the point. Well, Pilate gets it and he believes it. Verse 4. Pilate said to the chief priest in the crowd, I find no fault in this man. The first of three times that he would publicly state Jesus' innocence. Okay? Well, they're getting desperate. So they start shouting, all the more fierce. Have you noticed that in an argument when you start losing? <laughs> you start yelling louder. Those of you that married know what I'm talking about. <laughs> he stirs up the people, teaching throughout all Judea, beginning from Galilee to this place. Their hearts are locked in. They've already made their decision. They want Pilate to make his decision. But they mentioned Galilee. When Pilate heard of Galilee, verse 6, he asked if the man was a Galilean. Pilate is excited. He's got it out. He's got a political problem. He doesn't want to strip the Jews. It's Passover. He's up there from Caesarea to keep everything settled down. And here's the chance to pass the choice off, the decision. Give it to somebody else. Listen, you cannot let anyone else make the decision for you about Jesus Christ. You and I are forced to make that decision ourselves. We can't say, well, my wife believes. My mom, she went to church all the time. <laughs> it doesn't count. It's me. God doesn't have any grandchildren. He only has children. Pilate tries to defer the decision, but he's made a decision already. He's going with the crowd, trying to get away from the crowd. So he shoves them off to Buffalo. He's going to Herod, verse 7. And as soon as he knew that he belonged to Herod, in Herod's jurisdiction, he sent him to him who was also in Jerusalem for that time. So here's in Jerusalem for the Passover feast too. God has arranged for this man to be confronted with the king of all the earth also. Listen, these two rulers of the nation of Israel have an opportunity here. Herod gets a big one. Now, this is the same Herod that ordered John the Baptist's head to be cut off and brought him on a platter. Because that's what his crazy wife, Herodias, asked for after her daughter danced before the king in his drunken state. He said, it's beautiful. You can have anything you want up to half the kingdom. I wonder how Caesar felt about that. But she says the head of John the Baptist. And the Baptist is killed by this. It's this Herod. Now, when Herod saw Jesus, verse 8, he was excited, exceedingly glad. He had desired for a long time to see Jesus because he'd heard many things about him. Pilate knew about him too. These guys are connected. This is not that larger country. It's the size of New Jersey, one of our smaller states, the whole nation of Israel. Everybody knew what was going on. This is Jesus. He'd heard many things about him, and he hoped to see some miracle. That's what he's looking for. He wants to see some trick perform for me, do some magic for me. So he questions him with many words. But Jesus wouldn't say anything to him because this man had already made up his decision. He had heard truth from John the Baptist. He said he heard John willingly. He believed John, and he was sad when he had to kill him. But, you know, that's what his wife wanted, so you go with the wife. Mm. Jesus refuses to speak to him because he's looking for a miracle. Listen, miracles do not save anyone. Nobody gets saved because of a miracle. All these people are going to yell for Barabbas. They saw all the miracles. Some of them had the miracles done to them. I've watched it happen over and over again. You doubt that? Oh, let me just see 
God do something. Let me hear him speak. No, no, no. Read Exodus. It doesn't work. The whole nation of Israel, right? They're in Egypt, 10 miracles to get them out. And as they're going out, they get stuck at the Red Sea. Well, you know, you saw the picture. Moses, Charlton Heston raised his arms and the water opened up. They all went through. Man, that should get them saved, right? Next day, they're complaining, we don't have any water. God supplies water. Moses hitting on rocks all the way through the 40 years, making water come out. They complain about, we need meat. He brings in quail burgers flying. That will take care of them, sure. No, they're complaining again, more water. They got a pillar of fire by night. Got the biggest nightlight anyone's ever had in the world. They got a cloud, they got air conditioning following them around the desert. They're complaining. God sends some fiery servants to bite them. They start to die. He said, look up at the thing on the stake, the, the serpent up there on that rod in the middle of the camp and you'll be saved. And those that had faith and looked up, they got saved. And thousands of people were healed. Surely that would fix it. No, miracles don't save anyone. Herod's looking for a miracle because he's looking for something exciting. And if you come to God because of a miracle, you'll keep looking for a miracle. Every person is a miracle that comes to God. But if it's because of something supernatural, you'll start. I've watched Christians do this. They go from one tent revival to another, from one evangelist to another, from one crazy guy claiming to be able to do things to another. Stick with this word. Herod isn't. Herod has a decision. He makes it, verse 11, with his men of war, treated Jesus with contempt, and they mocked him, put him in a purple robe, a gorgeous robe, send him back. Herod feared nothing from this king. That's the point, putting him in purple royal color. He should have. Oh, if you have full memory of everything that you said and did, is Herod regretting this move or what? He had a choice, he had a decision, but he made it. The fourth group is an interesting one, the crowd. Basically, that's you and me. That very day, verse 12, Pilate and Herod became friends for each other because they have been at enmity before that. Birds of a feather now. They both decided against Jesus. They both didn't recognize who Jesus was. They both thought they had settled it. Well, Pilate, when he has called the chief priests and rulers, the people, he thinks he's got it settled, and so he's going to convince the crowd. Listen, you argue with the mob, you'll lose every time. Unless you're willing to die, he's not willing to. This man, D.H. Lawrence said, every man has a mob self and an individual self in varying proportions. You see a mob, run from it. You don't want to be involved in it. You'll do crazy things in it. People do crazy things in mobs. Any person who needs a mob to get up courage is a weak person, and they're going to fold. That's what's happening here. We're growing in grace through a study in Luke 23 with Pastor Ed Ray. And this is Grow in Grace. Let's get back into the message. He said to them, you brought this man to me. He's trying to reason. As one who misleads the people, I look carefully at it. I examined him in your presence. I found no fault concerning him which you've escaped. So for a second time, Pilate publicly announces Jesus is innocent. And then he adds to his case. He's building up this case. No, neither did Herod, for he sent you back to him, and and indeed nothing worthy of death had been done by this Jesus. So here it is. 
So I find him innocent. Herod finds him innocent. Together, we're going to declare him innocent. I will therefore chasten him and release him. That should take care of it. You should be happy. He hasn't done anything worthy. We'll beat him anyway, just for good measure. <laughs> Typical Roman justice. But he hasn't done anything. So I'm going to release him. That's what he's thinking, verse 17. For it was necessary for him to release one of them at the feast. Passover. The Roman governors have figured out if they want to placate the Jews, make them happy, let's recognize their Passover feast and let some criminal that is uh, okay let them go. So Jesus is the guy. Yeah, he thinks he's a king. Maybe he's a little, you know, but we'll let him go anyway. Well, they cried out all the more. They start screaming, away with this man, and release to us Barabbas. And Barabbas is introduced to us. This bar, son, Abba, father, son of the father. His first name is Jesus, we're told. Jesus Barabbas versus Jesus the Messiah. We'll take Jesus the insurrectionist, the murderer, the thief. We want him over Jesus. Well, he had been thrown into prison for a certain insurrection, verse 19, that he made in the city, and for murder. He was a man who had led an insurrection. He, the force of it is that he himself murdered someone, so maybe he killed a Roman soldier. A lot of speculation, we don't know. We just know that people died in the process. And so this is who they're asking for. Pilate is shocked. Wishing to release Jesus, again calls out to them. Now, he's folding he is going to let Jesus be crucified. Why? Because he's a weak man. He had not made up his mind before this to do the right thing. And you and I need to make up our mind to do the right thing here and now today at this small mind. God, by your grace, I'll do what you want me to do. Because unless you've already settled it, Satan will bring the temptation. If you can be bought at any price, you will be bought. And Satan will find a price. He'll find a way to get to you. You already decided. It's not an option. I'm going to do the right thing. But they shouted all the more, verse 21. Now, there's no hymn there. Notice it's italics. It's crucify, crucify, over and over again. Crucify, crucify. It's a bloodthirsty mob. Pilate's surprised. He's lost control. Crucifixion, it's a horrible way to die. Roman writer Cicero said it's the cruelest, most heinous punishment the Roman Empire ever came up with. They never did it to their citizens. It was only to foreigners. Jesus is a foreigner in their mind. Crucify, crucify. For a third time, he says, why? What evil has he done? I found no reason for his death. I will therefore chase him and let him go for a third time. He confesses that he knows Jesus is innocent and he's going to choose against him anyway because he's going with the crowd. If you float with the crowd and fail to go upstream, you will fall. They were insistent. They demanded without voices he be crucified. And the voices of these men and the chief priests prevailed. Pilate folded and he is going to go with them. So he gives sentence that it should be as they requested. He goes with the majority. Listen, democracies are a scary thing. We are a republic for a reason. Thomas Jefferson said of democracies, a democracy is nothing more than mob rule, 
where 51% of the people may take away the rights of the other 49. There were some people in the crowd that were disciples. They didn't want Jesus to die, but the mob was going. And Pilate didn't have the intestinal fortitude, the guts, the character, the integrity to take a stand against them. He had a tough choice, no question about it. But he had been placed in that position. And God gave him a test, and he fails it. He released to them the one they requested for insurrection and murder who had been thrown into prison, Barabbas, and delivered Jesus to their will. Hmm. Now, this is a choice of the mob, everyone. And notice it's not just Romans. We got a, at least a Scottish guy, and, and there's people from all over at Pentecost in just a, a few weeks. These are people from all over the world, so we can't just blame the Jews. In fact, it wasn't the Jews at all. It was my sin to put Jesus on the cross and yours. But Barabbas is the last guy with a choice because now he's been set free. Barabbas knew better than anyone else there that he deserved to die. He knew he was guilty. He was absolutely guilty. He killed at least one person himself, and he was guilty of the crime of insurrection, the very thing that Jesus was being accused of. He knew he had done it. He also knew Jesus hadn't. So he's in a dilemma. He's got a choice to make, because Jesus is about to die for him. Die for him, oh yeah. But he's just like us. He's guilty. You're guilty too. But you might complain, no, 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 pastor, I protest. I've never killed anybody. Listen, Jesus said in the Sermon on the Mount that if I hate someone, that I'm guilty of murdering them. That if you look after someone to lust after them, it's fornication. It's adultery with them. It's the heart that's the problem. Oh, we can clean up the outside. We know how to look. After you walk with the Lord a while, you know, you can look pretty good on the outside. It's kind of like restoring the car and just doing the outside, just painting it, you know, kind of bondo over all the dents and the rust and paint it real pretty, put some new upholstery in it, but the motor's gone (laughs) and the wheels fall off and there's no brakes and everything inside is rotten. So, we are all guilty. All of sin and fallen short of the glory of God, of the fullness of God. The wages of sin are death. We all deserve to die. Barabbas knew he deserved to die. He also knew that he had done nothing during the pardon. He couldn't say, well, I was a model prisoner. <laughs> I, I did a lot of extra work in the library. You know, I promised to do a 1,000 hours of community service after I got out. No, 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 no. All he could do is accept it like you and I. All we can do is accept the grace, the gift of God, the forgiveness of our sins. But we must accept it. We must say yes to it. Barabbas deserved to die. He did nothing to earn his pardon. And yet Jesus' death would give him freedom. Jesus died in Barabbas' place. And in fact, he died on the very cross that Barabbas and his two buddies were going to die together on. His name was on the cross, if you will, just like my name was on that cross, just like your name was on that cross. Now, one tradition says that Barabbas went there after he was set free, not in the Bible, and he was saved watching Jesus die. He watched his two buddies die, then he saw Jesus die, and he realizes it. 
I don't believe it's true. Why? Because we don't have any record of Barabbas' voice crying out with the thief on the cross, remember me, Lord. We don't have any record of Barabbas there. When Jesus' body was taken down by Joseph and Nicodemus, Barabbas should have been there. You would have been there if your sins have been forgiven. I would have been there too. Barabbas isn't mentioned at Pentecost, days later, 50 days later. And he's not mentioned again anywhere in Scripture. Barabbas was forced into a decision that day, and evidently he made the wrong one, just like the crowd, the majority, just like King Herod, just like Pontius Pilate, just like the Sanhedrin and the chief priests. You and I are forced into a decision every time we hear the story. You are forced into it right now here this morning. Let me paint you in a corner a minute. Antichus Epiphanes is known for the guy that kills some pigs on the altar in, in Jerusalem, but that's not what he's known for in Roman history. In Roman history, Antichus of Syria, Antichus Epiphanes, rebelled against the Roman Empire. He held the area that had belonged to one quarter of Alexander the Great's empire. And he decides to take another part, Egypt. And he goes into Egypt, and the Roman Senate sends him a dispatch, leave Egypt. He says, ah, maybe. And they send him another dispatch, ah, maybe. Another dispatch, ah, maybe. And finally, in 168, they send his best friend from Rome. And Pompatelius goes down as a herald. That's a, a, a Greek who's sent by the Roman Senate, who's going to read the declaration, and he has the force of the Roman Senate behind him. And he walks up to him, and he says, Antichus, and he reads the declaration, leave Egypt immediately, and he hands it to him. And Antichus reads it, and he says, I will consult with my counselors and get back to you. <laughs> and Pompatelius takes his staff, that the Roman Senate gave him as a sign of his authority. And he drew a line in the sand. It's where we get our English term for that. He drew a line in the sand, a circle all the way around him. And he looked his friend in the eye and he said, choose before you leave the circle. Antichus chose to leave Rome. You and I have a choice every time we hear the gospel. I know that some of you are here this morning and said, well, maybe. You know, I'll think about it, get back to you. Listen, Herod didn't have another chance. Pilate didn't have another I'm not trying to scare you. It's reality. It happens. People never expect to die the day they do. You and I don't know that we have tomorrow. We have today. We live on the edge of eternity. Choose this day who you will serve. Today is the day of salvation. This is one of those decisions we can't afford to put on the back burner. We pray that you'll trust in Christ even right where you're at. You won't regret it. Thanks for joining us for Grow in Grace with Pastor Ed Ray. For a CD copy of today's message from the book of Luke, Call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. Or listen online at thepackinghouse.org when it's most convenient. 
And to help you grow in grace, we'd like to recommend Pastor Ed's daily devotional. It's accessible online at thepackinghouse.org. Our featured resource this month is Tale of Three Kings, authored by Gene Edwards. And I'm sure we've all experienced pain, loss, or heartache at the hands of other believers. And it can be a confusing time. But rather than turn bitter and angry, you can experience healing and hope. Gene Edwards looks at David, Saul, and Absalom. I know you'll be touched as you read this story. We'll send it your way for a gift of any amount to grow in grace. And please remember, it's your support that helps us bring these teachings to the radio every day. Call 844-77-GRACE. That's 844-77-GRACE. We love hearing from our listeners. Let us know how we can pray for you and what you're getting out of this study. Tell us your story of how you've been growing in grace. That would be so encouraging to hear. Drop us an email today at packinghouseradio at aol.com. That's packinghouseradio at aol.com. And then join us next time as together we grow in grace through a study in Luke with Pastor Ed Ray. May God richly bless you as you grow in grace. This program is listener supported and brought to you by the Packing House Christian Fellowship in Redlands, California. Zion, now filled with hands, and in this place got to dwell with man. Sit healed and the crippled stand singing hallelujah. My kingdom built with the blood of my son, selfless sacrifice for everyone. Faith, hope, love, and harmony. I said, let this world know me.